Welcome to another edition of the Food Systems Podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. I'm your host, Mark Titrington, and today I'm, I'm joined by a great friend uh, and colleague, Aidan Connolly, um, President and Chief Executive, I think, of Agritech Capital. Um, but in the context of today's discussion, the author of a fabulous new uh, book, The Future of Agriculture, um, which certainly chimes with our mission, of course, at the Forum. Aidan, a very warm welcome to you. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Very, very excited to to uh, draw swords with you again. We had the chance to talk in Chicago, and then subsequently you invited me to your to to the meeting in Washington at the Senate Building. Um, I, I I'm expecting very exciting conversation. That's for sure. Yeah, well, um, th- those were two uh, good runouts, and uh, I've got no doubt um, today will be the same. I wonder. I mean, you know, your your experience and history in this this world goes back a long way. Um, but I'm just interested in what 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 inspired you. What was the motivating factor to to write the book in the in the first place? About I suppose five years ago, I started to write blogs on issues that I thought were important and. Clearly, digitization, digital is about as important as any other subject out there, maybe the most important subject, and also one which generally people haven't written that much about. So my first blog that I wrote on LinkedIn was called Eight Digital Technologies Transforming Agriculture, and that was downloaded, well, since then, 20-something thousand times. So I thought I didn't even realize there were 20,000 people that could be interested in that subject and then I wrote subsequently blogs on all of the various species, um, got into CRISPR, talked about consumer behaviors and reactions to technology, and then the use of technology in the food chain in general. So I always had the idea that having gotten to, at that stage, 46, something, 50 blogs, wouldn't it be nice to corral it all into one format and have it all in one place, in one space? And um, luckily enough, maybe not luckily for for him, but uh, an editor that I knew uh, was having a career change. I asked, would he come and help me? I knew what the structure was. I had all the material, you know, uh, 80,000, 100,000 words. And um, he came and did that. And then subsequently, my wife uh, actually went and, and did the same thing. She she edited the edits. So we, we had a book. And then it was a question of finding a publisher. The self-publishing option means that it's freely available, so you can download it for free. That's a huge thing, obviously, in places in uh, Africa, uh, Latin America, but in the, equally at, at, at universities. So that that's where we got to, or that's how I got to where I got to, of launching a book uh, as I have. There is, I haven't found anything else out there like it. Um, the fact of it being a place where, particularly in the ebook, where you've got all the hot links, so you can go and see the companies. And I'm not judging people. I'm not saying this is a good technology, this is a good company, a bad company. To say, here are technologies I think are changing everything, and here are the people I think you should speak to. All makes sense. I mean, one of the, the things that I think have been put to you as you've been um, around with the book, and, and we hear a lot of, is the extent to which agriculture may or may not be a laggard in terms of its um, its evolution of innovations, development of innovation and application for it. Do, do, do you agree with that contention that, that agriculture is behind the curve or, or is there enough that you are now seeing that gives you confidence that we're actually either at or even in front of the curve? Oh, I think we are laggard. Um, 
I, but you know, to have to take uh, exception to the fact that we are the the worst because, according to McKinsey, we're joint worst with with hunting. Um, so agriculture and hunting are the, both the least digitized. Not exactly the camp you want to be in. Um, and I have seen some 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 commentators have said, well, that's not the right lens to look at it at, realizing that technology has under delivered on farm that farmers are skeptical because they've had a lot of bad, very bad experiences with technologies. All of these things are true. And it's also true the complexity of farming makes it much harder to apply technology uh, compared to other industries, which are nice, clean buildings. And you're putting you know, a, a sensor, a camera, an AI system into something which is relatively controlled. But all in all, farming has a long way to go. Uh, and if anything, livestock farming is even further behind than crop farming. But compared to any other business, I, I, I think the gaps in what we know, <clears throat> the improvements we can make are huge. There is the potential to make big leaps, but it's also extremely chaotic and 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 and, and complex environment that we're using the technology in. So, I mean, you, you've in the book identified a, a, a number of areas from robotics, data analytics, artificial intelligence, you know, block, blockchain, um, all which have great potential. I mean, blockchain, we had uh, Steve Statler on here from Williard uh, a couple of months ago talking about the potential there. Um, I mean, th- those, are, those are a few areas to, to name, you know, but a few. What, what do you think are the drivers behind those? And, 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 and to what extent do you think they they can and will have a transformative effect on on the agriculture of tomorrow. But today, the drivers continue to be performance, productivity, profitability. Uh, those three Ps are still the ones that most farmers react to, and possibly, maybe probably, those haven't been sufficient to encourage widespread adoption of technology on the farm. I think the drivers that are accelerating at the moment, labor is a huge one. I think the discussions and the need to measure climate change and the impact that farming or food production has on the on, on the environment, more all, maybe even in general, all of the ESG factors are a major driver of adoption. Um, and those two probably are higher on the importance list at this stage than profitability, performance, and and, and productivity. But in the end of the day, the, the, that 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 those three factors still have to underline most things. If I'm not making money with it, it's hard, to, and nobody's paying me for doing the, the the others. Then it's hard to keep on going. But but that's that's where I see the drivers. I think labor in absolutely every aspect of farming has been a challenge. We are looking to replace people, make people smarter, allow them to do the jobs differently, and the only way to achieve that truly is through through AI sensors, cameras. Uh, technology in general i know that that, that you and i have the, the, the great pleasure and uh, an honor in many places to, to travel around the world and and see different farming systems um you know certainly the experience that i had over the summer we were in australia and and the labor point that you you said there is is not just about the efficiency farm it's even just the availability of the labor to come onto the farm as uh, as a key driver as uh, as you said so I, I i would certainly agree um with you on on that I wonder also whether or not, Aidan, you know, when we talk about measuring productivity, which is, you know, if you say something, one of the P's, perhaps for some people, even the main P, if we kind of regard that as yield, 
there's an increasing argument that I hear a lot that actually in the future we're going to we're going to measure resilience, resilience on the farm. To what extent do you agree with that? I, I do think so. Uh, and those outside forces, the other actors, the other um, stakeholders in our business are obviously questioning it to a greater and greater degree. But if I'm a farmer, I'm still saying, I'm going to do all these things for you. Are you going to pay me more for them? And the answer today, frankly, has been no. You know, we go to conferences as you and I do. I go meet a lot of people in the business to try to keep, like today I'm in Quebec, yesterday's in Texas, to try to keep my hand in what the realities are, be it the milk business, be it the chicken business, be it the crop business, the wine business, the orange juice, whatever business it is, people are saying, I've got this conveyor belt of demands coming from consumers, coming from the food retailers, coming from people involved in the chain saying, can you deliver this? Can you deliver and nobody's paying me a penny more. And I'm already in a business with tight margins, razor thin margins, margins where some years I make money, some years I don't make money. So the, the, this is not a, a, this is more akin to a commodity business than it is to a value added business. And yet I'm being asked for value added type demands. I think what, you know what, one of the, the reflections that we've had, we, we've just finished um, Aidan, a, a study on what it would take to develop and scale regenerative agriculture. And you know we can argue about whether that's um, the, the right terminology or not. The, the key, one of the key parts of that is, as I think you're getting at, is, is how do you fund that transition? How do you fund and enable farmers to make and sustain the transition? That point about sharing value and about um, somebody paying the farmer beyond what they just produce for the for the sustainability attributes that go around it is is the big open question and um and we found that that some in the value chain are prepared to pay that at, at what price and whether that cuts the farmers covers the cut farmers costs is one question um but there are others that are clearly not i wonder if that comes back as well to the shape of the supply chain that, that we've got which is very different to what we see in other um in, in other markets um, do you think that that is a real driver for us um, as we consider how we do get more money into the farmer pocket for the goods and services that they provide? Yeah, clearly, uh, we have to reinvent the ways in which we think about the food chain and where the value is being shared. And the one farmer said to me, they'd been approached by a food retailer who had approached them with a win-win scenario. And I said, oh, that sounds very exciting. And he said, yeah, it's a win for them and it's a win for them. In other words, win-win means two wins for them, not one win for them. Um, that awful phrase that you hear a lot of American farms of how can I be green when I'm in the red, when I'm not right. making money on my farm. Um, I think we have to be more realistic about how to share that. And 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 clearly what the, the, the fear from the food retailer, or maybe even from the consumer, is we're going to pay more for this, but are they actually going to change? How do I know the changes? So you say you're going to retain more carbon in your soils. You say that you're going to use less water. <clears throat> you say you're going to meet uh, our requirements for traceability and transparency. Will you actually do that? Or are you just going to simply charge me more for my food but not deliver any of those things that I think from my standards, my ethics, my expectations, uh, my aspirations for what I'd like to be putting in my mouth. Are you going to actually change anything? And, and that's the that's the, the skepticism that's come maybe over the years from their side, which is fair as well. <clears throat> but but I think 
there are actors in the middle. You know, we don't have to name them, but you look at the initiatives of the Nestle's and the Unilever's and, you know, in various businesses, they very clearly taken a position of saying, this is what we want to do. This is the right thing to do. This is good for the planet and it's good for all of us. And we are going to, so more of that has to continue to happen and perhaps not just as a individual basis or individual company basis or individual brand basis, but starting to see it being done by by everybody in the food chain. Yeah, I mean, it's a topic in, in and of itself. And I think we could probably build an entire podcast just around that that totally. piece and the, the, the different dynamics that are in the Mark, uh, you, agri-food you, value you, chain. You've thought, you've thought a lot about this already. So uh, I'm wading into your territory as much as mine. But uh, there we go. Yeah, well, we'll 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 get onto that no doubt in in future episodes. Um, let me bring you back to the book. I mean, you 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 you're you're very careful not to say that you're you're picking winners, but you do pick out a number of areas that you clearly think, whether it is robotics, blockchain, AI, and the rest, um, that you think will have that transformative effect. When you look a bit deeper into that, you know, both for the book and what you see around the world and where where you visit. What, what is really exciting you? What, what are the technologies that, that are coming to the fore in each of those areas that you think are going to have the, the biggest impact, if, uh, if I can ask you to put your money where your mouth is? Yeah, I think, I think it depends on different countries. Um, if I think you're asking about, uh, you know, the, the, the nature of what I'm seeing and, and what countries are doing, what always impressed by Israel, just because so many entrepreneurs, yeah. so many great ideas coming out of it. Um, I recently went to Brazil, Brazil has traditionally produced a lot of ag techs, startups and innovators. Um, the nature of that innovation has changed in my perspective going there a few weeks ago. We launched the book in Portuguese. Um, seeing the business, let's call it four years later from my last visit, maybe it's not quite four, but pre-COVID, uh, I saw a lot more technology focused on climate a lot more focused on transparency on the farm. And this, of course, is probably occasioned by the fact that consumers, particularly in Europe, are asking a lot of questions about where food is produced in Brazil, how it's produced, and their demands go well beyond whether the food is cheap or not. They're into a lot more sophisticated and detailed understandings of, of uh, the provenance of that of, of, of those, uh, ing- those uh, I call them commodities or, or foods. Um, China... Obviously, having been there probably now seven weeks ago, uh, challenged by the economy's downturn, challenged by the fact that a lot of technology in China is increasingly staying in China and not able to be exported. Um, But that said, mother necessity of innovation, um, uh, necessity being the mother of innovation, I, I think that the... I really was quite impressed by some of the technologies around um, energy on the farm, trying to find ways to be more efficient in the use of electricity, when to turn machines on, when to turn machines off, and not to have coolers, not to have ventilators, not to have soakers, as you know, for for spraying water on cows when there are no cows in that particular part of the barn. Small changes incremental, but you could see globally how those technologies could have a massive impact. Um, the United States continues to to grow. It feels like uh, we have the so-called Gartner hype cycle of where things get hyped and then they collapse and then we yeah. come to some sort of... Um, and I think AI continues to grow. It feels like the chat GPT in particular was a, was a whole uh, 
excitement uh, about what this could do to change everything overnight. And now we've maybe again settled into, if not the valley of uh, disappointment, uh, we're certainly getting close to maybe more realities around what it could do, what it can't do. Mm. But um, th those types of technologies, I, I see, I would say, climate technologies, energy efficient technologies and, um, and, and, and continuing growth in the application of AI to make jobs smarter. And, and just maybe a word on on blockchain because it was something that we we touched on earlier in the year on one of these these episodes I said with um, the Stephen Statler. Um, do, do you think that that can play a role? Can it play a role? It should be able to play a role in in unlocking perhaps one of the the great conundrums of um, of the agriculture supply chain being what it is: transparency. Do you think it has a role to play there? Mark, you and I know each other uh, relatively well at this stage, and you know that I'm not good at not being direct. So um, I'm very disappointed in blockchain. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the sourcing, resourcing of it has diminished tremendously in the last 12 months. I think the Maersk experience, you know, approaching it or, or pursuing it for a couple of years and then seemingly dropping uh, mm. that as, as initiative is a bucket of cold water over the whole concept. Now that said, the concept and the technology of a blockchain-like technology still has to come because it solves a lot of problems in the food business about how do you create transparency without necessarily giving away all the secrets of who does what at various stages or points in the chain. And that's something which is fundamentally critical for us in our business. Um, maybe it should or shouldn't be, but the food business, again, on those razor-thin margins, is requires different actors to do different things at different stages without necessarily being discoverable because then you know somebody will come in and cut them out of the system and, and, and take those margins away but blockchain for me it's not going to make it the way it's going at the moment so there there but whether whether that has changed in six months in my view my opinion has certainly changed the last 12 months but um i i i, I fear that we're we're, we're definitely we don't have the trajectory that we need to see that being implemented fully across the food chain. Yeah, make, makes sense, um, Aidan. And, and as I say, there's something that you said there, you know, back to this point about what, what I do think increasingly is a very unique structure of our supply chains in food and agriculture, which are very different to um, uh, to other other sectors. Let me um, let me just try and kind of come out a little bit from the detail and take us up a, a, a level or so. I mean, we talk about certainly in Europe, a lot of talk over the, the last three or four months of how do, how do you create a more sustainable, resilient food and ag system that is nature positive, climate smart. I mean, all the words that we can get in there, we, we, we're talking about. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think is getting in the way of, of achieving that? I suppose in, in a way what I'm trying to say is what's getting in the way of helping food and agriculture to be all things to all people, which is what people seem to want it to be. I'm not sure that there is anything getting in the way of that happening. I think it is happening. I think there's a lot of detailed thought going into how do we make food production a carbon sink? How do we reduce the and mitigate the production of methane or methane, depending on which version of English you speak? Yeah. Um, how do we get greater recycling of ingredients? How do we up, up um, scale? using insect meal or, 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 again, energy production from waste. And I think all those things are being pursued at a great rate of knots. I, I think the speed of innovation has been tremendous. 
clearly having markets that value what you do and being able to be, again, be paid for these in the form of credits or otherwise is essential. And the capitalist system, uh, for all of its flaws, continues to prove itself to be one of the most efficient ways of getting money from the hands of one person to another and pay for these externalities that we're imposing on the system. Um, uh, I'm more skeptical and, you know, whether we want to go down this rabbit hole or not, you and I've had uh, a discussion about the scope three, you know, what does that mean? How is that measured? How do we capture that? Gets quite hairy to do so in today's environment with, with, with metrics, which are not as clear cut as they need to be. But, but yeah, I, I'm not at all negative on, you know, to the contrary of the discussion we just had on blockchain. I'm very, very positive on, on, on climate change mitigation, on technologies and approaches that we're taking. Maybe people want it all to happen overnight, but it's taken 10,000 years to get here in terms of food production. What yeah. it makes us imagine that we're going to pivot the whole system in 10 months towards a climate-friendly, um, zero-carbon uh emissions you know these yeah. things can't happen all in one go yeah for, for sure well look let, let me tap into that um famous aid and optimism and and ask you as we are based in europe I and mean, we're a global forum but we are based in europe you know to bring this to a close what advice would you have for us in, here in europe whether you're a political leader or a corporate leader um that we can do or you'd like to see europe do more of uh, to help um, help transform this system uh, along the trajectory that we've been talking a lot about today. Well, as a as a European and as a, a passport holder from the EU, and as somebody who, as you said, is uh, is optimistic, um, I, I, so the ne- level of innovation in Europe is tremendous, um, but the level of scaling of those innovations is disappointing. Um, if I look at France, if I look at um, my own country, Ireland, if I look at the Netherlands, if I look at Germany, loads and loads of companies with great ideas, uh, we've got to learn how to scale them better and to facilitate that scaling. Um, I think that Europe has taken a leading position in terms of climate. It needs to now take a leading position in terms of climate technology, You know, not simply just simply saying there is a problem, but saying what it needs to do to support that problem. Some of that support can come from governments. Uh, sometimes I feel the best role for government, uh, be it at EU level or at, at, at country level, is simply to remove barriers to the adoption of technology. There's a dairy show on this week in the US. I met a farmer who uh, who had a relatively large farm by you by European standards, but who had to go out of business because his farm in the US context wasn't large enough. And I said, you know, what if you were counselling yourself? 10 years ago, what would you have advised yourself to do? And he said, I would have advised myself to innovate faster, to embrace change faster, to get things done faster. And that would be my recommendation to European agriculture. Don't wait. Don't let somebody else do it. Don't look for the technology to come from someplace else or the solutions to come from someplace else. The speed of innovation will be the determining factors to whether Europe continues to produce its own food or whether it imports from somebody else. Makes sense. Aidan, it, it's been tremendous to, to talk to you. Always an energising discussion, full of insights, uh, as well as recommendations and also um, caution where, where needed. Um, pleasure, as always, uh, to have you on the show. Um, and I do recommend to all that are listening um, Aidan's book, The Future of Agriculture, uh, you should be able to click on the icon that will accompany this um, podcast 
Uh, it is well worth reading. And as you say, being in digital format, very easy to read and find the place that, uh, that, 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 that you're most interested in. Aidan, thanks so much indeed for joining us. Mark, my pleasure. You've been listening to another edition of the Food Systems Podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Join us again next time.